You're listening to The Great Lakes Beacon, interviews and news from the 9th Coast Guard District. Good day, everyone. My name is Lieutenant Fulmer. I'm here with Admiral Cottrell. How are you today, ma'am? I'm doing great. Good. Uh, So if you've been listening along with us, uh, this is the third episode of the series we're calling Stronger Together. A couple weeks ago, Admiral met with uh, several members of, of the district uh, African-American, Asian-American, uh, Native Americans, uh, and, and ask them about their experiences uh, here, in, here in D9 and, and in the Coast Guard throughout their careers. Uh, ma'am, so this is the third session. Is there anything that stuck out to you particularly in this one? I think this one, and you know, probably not just this one, but this one seemed to be most acute, was you know, when, when someone is... Um, hurt or offended by some sort of discrimination or a racial slur or something like that, it, it just doesn't go away overnight, you know. Um, it, people don't necessarily just get over it. And um, I think it causes a lot of wounds that a lot of people hold on to um, mm-hmm. for a long time. And um, so then would maybe kind of change how they interact with other people. So I think it's, um, and as you listen, you can hear some folks that, you know, that, that still are feeling that pain from something that may have happened, you know, you know, when they were younger or even just a couple of years ago. And um, we don't just get better overnight. I mean, I think there's a process involved. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. That's true. Uh, so as you're listening today at wherever you are, we invite you to uh, do a little bit of your own introspection. Uh, what experiences have, have you had? What experiences have you seen, good or bad? And uh, with that, please uh, listen to us uh, in this third session of Stronger Together. Uh, or if you want to just tell a couple, you know, incidences, positive, negative. Um, we've had a variety. This is the third call, so we've had a variety of different ways that people have told their story. It's all been good and um, really very enlightening for me. Very, um, I learned a lot. Um, much better appreciation for the experiences of uh, my, my minority shipmates. So um, with that, I would like to start with, who is in the book? Mr. Uh, Mejia. Mejia. Mr. Mejia, can we start with you? Uh, yeah, take yourself off mute. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, good afternoon, Admiral. Uh, I hope you and your crew are doing well. Thank yeah. you for uh, opportunity to tell our stories. Um, you know, we have uh, come a long way since I joined the Coast Guard. There's still ways to go. Uh, my example that I want to bring up to your attention is, uh, you know, uh, I can uh, the difficulties of uh, we encounter minorities to get our mentors, uh, especially in the officer corps. Um, my example is a, 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 I hope it's a good one. Uh, um, I got here and uh, when I got to Sector Buffalo, there were only um, six minority total in total. And of those, uh, only two of us were officers, uh, two warrants. Um, we received a new, uh, brand new ensign uh, from the academy who was also a minority. And he chose uh, uh, my, uh, my partner, my warrant as, as his mentor. Uh, well, when uh, came uh, a government travel charge card dispute came up for my uh, for my fellow warrant, 
uh, the command assigned uh, the ensign who who he mentored as the investigative officer. Um, I brought it up to the attention and say, hey, I don't think this is right because that's his mentor and you can pick somebody else. But they didn't see it that way. They saw they thought that was going to help him out or whatever. Uh, well, it turned out that, you know, the investigator went through. It was just a mistake, whatever. But uh, the mentorship between both of them uh, suffered. Yeah. And and it never recovered. Mm-hmm. And I uh, the, the thing that I want to say is that uh, it's a lot easier to find, uh, you know, uh, when you're in ethnicity, you have a lot of the same ethnicity. It's a lot easier to find a mentor than when you're in this, especially in the officer corps, it's so limited. So that's my example that I wanted to bring up to your attention, Admiral, and maybe something to, to think about, or maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say, but uh, uh, that's, that's my example, Admiral. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that particular issue has been brought up before, like, you know, for women, I've, I've been in part of those discussions, and I know there's been different efforts before with, you know, trying to do, you know, kind of virtual mentors, um, which is, some, it's just tough, you know, like kind of a blind, you know, blind date kind of thing. It's tough. I think it's much easier to actually meet someone in person before you decide whether you want to be their mentor or mentee. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. And so the, the idea that if you do find someone, you want to value that relationship and not do anything to, to uh, hazard it, right? Yes, Admiral. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Admiral. Um, all right. So up on the top right, Seaman Prayer. Oh, Prayer. Seaman Prayer. How are you doing? Hello, Admiral. Um, I'm well. And you? Good, good. So tell us about yourself. Um, so full name is Matthew Pryor. Um, I came from Atlanta, Georgia, and I've only been in the Coast Guard since uh, October 29th, and I just reported to my unit in January. So I don't have much experience with the Coast Guard, but from what I've seen, um, there's good and bad, and the bad isn't even really all that bad, but it's, uh, it's just different from where I came from, um, specifically being that Back home in Atlanta, Georgia, it was a lot more diverse. It was a thing where I was never single, the only minority in the area. It was majority minorities, Hispanic, Asian, and uh, even like Eastern European. So coming here into a majority white service, it was very interesting, but I'm happy to say that um, in my station, I don't really feel any uh, discrimination against me or anything like that. I feel like it's professional and after work and off duty all of my coworkers are trying their best to be accepting of me and uh being a different ethnicity and different culture and all that stuff so i feel like a very warm welcome and nothing but good um things to say about my station truly that's awesome i'm glad you're having that that good experience um so you know regardless of how long you've been in the coast guard i'll tell you something my, my company commander told me when i graduated from boot camp he's like it's just as much your Coast Guard as it is someone that's been in for 20 years. And uh, you know, that, that really stuck with me. I was like, wow, you know, so it kind of takes, there's a there's a feeling of uh, belonging, but then there's also a feeling of responsibility, like to take care of, you know, uh, to take care of it, you know, take care of the reputation. So, so um, well, I would say welcome aboard. October 29th, I mean, it's half a year. And, 
What rate are you thinking about? Um, I'm thinking more so a support rate, so either ET or IT, because um, we are fortunate enough to have an ESD here, and I've seen the work the ITs and ETs do, and I just really feel inspired, and I feel like I would contribute the best in those rates. Well, we definitely need more ITs. So, <laughs> great. Well, good for you. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you, Admiral. Sure. All right. Who's over on the, uh, Lieutenant? Lieutenant Porter. Lieutenant Porter. Still muted. Yes. Hello, Adam. How are you? Congratulations. Good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yes. Congratulations again on uh, advancing, or actually uh, promoting. I don't know what you call it at the Admiral level, but promoting yeah. today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. So I've I've had one of each uh, to share today. Um, I, um, I started off the Coast Guard enlisted, um, uh, like a, a non-rate. I went the uh, OS rate, and um, you know Mustang all the way up to be a lieutenant. Um, it wasn't easy. Uh, I think that uh, for a negative experience, I think it came from just trying to even become an officer and trying to get, you know, either trying to find out what I didn't know. And I was at a, a unit that it's not that they weren't supportive, but it was kind of like you kind of just left out there to just do things on your own. And I found it kind of, you know, isolating. And uh, at times, I think that isolation, uh, people get comfortable in, in their own skin and they can make either jokes I won't say the joke, or they'll say some things that, in my opinion, I don't think they know hurt. There's sometimes somebody will say a joke or say something, and I, I really don't think they mean it until you have to go to them, pull them to the side, and whether whatever rank you are, and you have to tell them like, hey, you know, I'm, I have thick skin, but that was offensive. That wasn't a good. That was not funny, and you know, things like that just shouldn't be said. I don't, I don't by anybody. You need to let that joke die. It's not funny and go forward. And I'll leave that experience at that level. Okay. Uh, we handled it at the lowest level. It wasn't necessarily nothing I needed to go, to, you know, higher up. But at the end of the day, some people's remarks, I, I, I think we have to do a better job of letting people understand that it's, it's a different day, first of all. Maybe that joke might have been fine 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's not funny anymore people today not playing when it comes to those types of remarks and you will the the you know that member can be really really reprimanded or kicked out for a simple joke that they thought was funny you know i think some are just naive they just really really ignorant and they don't know that's not funny right um i think the most positive experience i've had in the coast guard was in an oa uh, I'm, i don't have you ever been to in an oa Never been. I've heard really good things about it, though. If you ever get an opportunity, um, I, I went. I went um, as uh, ensign in a JG. Uh, I I met three commandants. You know, one from the Navy, one from the uh, Coast Guard, and I met one from the Marine Corps, all at the same conference. And it was the first time that I got a chance from from my level to see so many minority officers in one place it was phenomenal and i think if you get to bring someone with you at a lower level or, or encourage people to go if the funding is available or try to make the funds available for people in the unit to go who haven't been 
I think that was the most valuable experience I got. Uh, I, I, you, you mentioned mentors. Well, I have got several mentors from going to that conference. Um, I learned more about the Coast Guard than I ever did uh, at, at my unit. And I ever did during any affiliation month, like Black History Month or you name it. I've learned more at that conference about myself being a minority in the Coast Guard, male or female, uh, or whatever background you are. Uh, and we met with our other um, co-group, with the, which is AZO. Uh, we met up with them as well at the same conference. And that it was an eye-opener. It was something that I never thought I would see in the Coast Guard and... I definitely encourage yourself or anybody who can get opportunity to go, to go. Well, that's a, that's a great, um, I think those affinity groups are really awesome. I mean, I had a similar experience. I went to a women in aviation conference and before I, the first one, before I went, I, did, I didn't really want to go. Um, cause I didn't necessarily understand the value, but I had the same experience. I was like, Whoa, look at all these women in one place. You know, that's <laughs> kind of, like, wow, I had no idea. And uh, yeah, like mentors and mentees and, and um, just really connecting. So you're absolutely right. I think the NNOA and other uh, affinity groups are very valuable. And um, I don't know where we are with, you know, those conferences, especially in the COVID environment. But I, I know that um, we, try to, we try to fund folks that, that do want to go and give as many people as possible an opportunity. Um, so thanks for sharing that. So for those of you on, you know, that are interested in those affinity conferences, definitely uh, look into those, you know, when they, cause every one, every one of them has a conference every year. So, um, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen this year. Um, thanks very much, Lieutenant. Uh, I, I want to say one other thing, you know, the, the isolating piece, you know, when you were uh, enlisted, I think that's very common. And one of the things that I talk to people about is this idea between covert discrimination and overt discrimination, right? So you have this overt, like where someone just says something stupid, you're like, yeah, that was stupid, don't say that, right? Those people are actually easier to deal with than the people who are kind of sneaky, right? They're just, maybe they're isolating you, they're not talking to you or whatever, and they haven't really done anything wrong but, but you feel isolated. I think that's much more insidious and dangerous. So, uh, but I'm glad that you have, you know, taken the opportunity to call people out and tell them. And most of the people, how do they respond when you do that, Lieutenant? I don't know if I disappeared on you, but um, I think that Oh, once I got a chance to talk to him, I think it kind of did shed some light on the situation. That one, I wasn't afraid to com- confront them, and it kind of it kind of opens their eyes too. Because a lot of times, you get folks who've only been around one race of people; they only heard these, you know, jokes, or they only it, it, again they're just naive or, or lack of a better word, ignorant of their surroundings and they don't understand that this is offensive and why it's offensive. A lot of times people go around and be like, oh, that's ghetto or don't go over there. That's so ghetto. And they say certain words and things that they have no understanding of what it means, but it sounds cool or it might sound, you know, trendy. But when they don't have an inkling of where it's coming from and then they just start saying these things, they need to be educated on what's going on Sometimes there's a place, the time and place for these lessons to be learned, but you you can't let things just linger on because 
if you're if you remain silent, you're just as guilty or even more guilty than if you would stand up for yourself or for things that you believe in. Because you you can't allow your silence. You just can't be silent. I'll just leave it at that. You cannot be silent. I agree with you, and I think that's even more important as you get more senior as a leadership, you know, as a leader, um, even if it's something, you know, that you may personally not find offensive, but you know someone else would, you, you know, you really need to call that person out, you know, as a leader, just to say, I'm not, that's not, that's not appropriate for the workplace. So, well, thank you. Um, so I'm going to go to up to um, Miss Battles. Good afternoon, Admiral. Can you hear me okay? Area, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, a little bit about myself first. I'm Lisa Battles. I'm your family advocacy specialist for the 9th District. I have been with the Coast Guard for about three and a half years. I have been with the federal government for nine years, and I've been a social worker for 23 years. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So before I start, I just want to piggyback off of what Lieutenant Porter said and what you were just speaking about, the covert and overt racism. And I just want to bring up two examples at previous employers where I worked. Um, one example is when I was going out with my peers and I was the only black person there and we were going out to lunch and I ordered a soup, half a sandwich and soup. And my coworker actually told me, I didn't know black people eat soup and sandwich. And so I looked, I'm like, well, what did you think we all ate, chicken and watermelon? And so, you know, because I was shocked that she said that, you know, I didn't know, that's, can we, you know, she said, I just thought that's a cafe type of food. So she and went on to explain herself. And of course, I had to educate her on how that comment was insensitive. And she made a lot more comments like that. And I would quite frequently educate her. And it's funny because we are friends now and her eyes are wide open to many things. But coming from where she came from, that was not the case. Right. My second incident, I want to say, kind of piggybacking off of that covert and overt racism. When I purchased my home three and a half years ago, the Coast Guard brought me back to Michigan. And I purchased my home and a neighbor was walking her dog and she, we were outside and she came to say welcome to the neighborhood. Um, she said, I just want to let you know everyone is welcome in this neighborhood. And we even have an Oriental, too, so you feel right at home. So my daughter said, what's an Oriental, Mommy? I said, a rug or a piece of furniture. And I said, I think she was referring to an Asian person. And it just so happens I didn't know that then, but that is my next-door neighbor. She's Asian. And, and I said, now that I'm on the block, I wonder what she's going to tell the next person. She has an Oriental and a colored person on the block, you know, but welcome. Everyone's welcome. You know, that was the message she wanted to convey to me. Uh, but she didn't realize how what she said was just not correct, you know. So I just wanted to throw that out there about things that we have to hear on, on a regular basis and people may not necessarily know that they're offensive. Sometimes they do, and they want to just see if they can get away with it, and sometimes they really may not know. So I just wanted to briefly say that. Thank you. But uh, my experience in a Coast Guard has actually been great. I am a minority, and of course, and you know, um, I do a lot of presentations at almost every unit in D9 I've been to. And when I go to the different units, oftentimes I may be the only black person and the only woman. So I'm in a double minority situation, but 
I always feel accepted, which is really good. Um, and I always speak on it too. I always speak on diversity. I always try to educate every unit about being open to learning about different people's backgrounds because in the military, you have people who come from the South, the West, you know, Christian families to atheists, the Black, Hispanic, single parents to everything. So we need to learn how to be open. So that's one thing I try to convey when I go to different pre- different units to do presentations. So I've been feel I feel really accepted. But one thing that is concerning a lot of times is when I do go to different units in some cities, I may be at a unit in that city for three days and not encounter not one black person at the store, at the gas station, at the hotel. And then sometimes I've been to cities that I know have been known for racist behaviors or active KKK activity. So that sometimes can be intimidating. When I'm in a hotel by myself and my family worries about me, you know, I'm three, four, five hours away from home in a hotel in a city that I know has had KKK activity. So that can definitely be concerning. But it helps when I go to the unit and then I feel like connection. So I definitely don't have any complaints as far as feeling accepted in the Coast Guard. You know, I will speak on two incidents, one before the Coast Guard and one since. Um, and I say I, don't, I feel accepted, which is a good thing, because oftentimes as a clinician, I am the only black clinician. And at my previous employment, which was a government agency, as the only black clinician, when I would make decisions, sometimes the director would say, well, well, what does so-and-so think? Well, you tell us what you think. When I'm speaking about my cases and my assigned units, but my judgment was not good enough. So they would have to ask someone else. And it got to a point where the other person would say, I'm not answering questions that Lisa has already answered. Or she has a plan. We're going to do Lisa's plan. But it took for him to say that because me saying that I was being disrespectful or challenging. Whereas I'm just doing the job you pay me to do. But for some reason, since I'm the only black clinician, when I give you my answers, they're not good enough or you need a second opinion. So that's something I would run across here at the Coast Guard. I don't typically what I say, everyone listens. And I mostly deal with command and commands. All of my commands have been 100 percent supportive of me. And I really, really, really appreciate that coming from different environments where that was not the case. And my last scenario I want to give, this is it, is one time when I was out to um, lunch with a lieutenant commander and a chief. And the lieutenant commander suggested a restaurant. I said, I don't know where that restaurant is. I've never heard of it. And then we found it. I'm like, I would have never seen this. It was kind of like a little small restaurant in the middle of nowhere. And as soon as we opened the door and I walked in, everyone looked. And they looked and they were like, hey, how are you? You know, the lieutenant commander. So we sat down and ate and I told her, I said, let me give you a little bit of education. <laughs> I said, if you all were not with me, I would have never come to this restaurant by myself. And they said, well, she said, well, why not? I said, because for one, in this area, I'm not welcomed in this area. You know, I understand it's a free country, but I've lived, I'm almost, I'll be 50 this year. I've lived long enough to know that some areas, they don't want you there. And, and I don't want to go in a restaurant where I'm afraid what someone may do to my food or just for someone to tell me, I don't want to serve you. So I said, even though we, it is the land of the free, it really isn't the land of the free for everyone. 
We can't go to any restaurant we want to. I can't buy a home wherever I want. I, you know, I could technically, but do I want my child to be the only black student in a school of 900 Caucasian students? So, you know, I don't want them to have to bear that cross. So, so these are just some of the things that we have to deal with on a daily basis that everyone may not be aware of. So I just wanted to share that light. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I think, you know, it's not exactly the same thing, but, you know, like talking to my husband about my own personal safety when I'm by myself, I'm like, well, you know, I park in the parking lot under a street light, you know, and I make sure there's other people around. And he's like, why do you do that? I'm like, you're six two and you weigh 200 pounds. You don't think about, you know, like you don't have to think about it, right? So. Similarly, I think, you know, people in the majority don't have to think about those kinds of things that you're talking about. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. Thanks for listening. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so let me go on to Petty Officer Ramon. Hello, Admiral. Hi. So pretty much my story I am, well, I'm going to tell you where I'm from. I am from Texas, San Antonio, Texas, um, coming from the southern states. I'm not really used to up here in Sector Buffalo, so really far from home. <laughs> um, pretty much my story, uh, the Coast Guard uh, started when I was a non-rate. Um, I was the only minority in at that unit, and... It was it was a little challenging and tough to get through because it, it felt it was kind of like a culture shock, and one unfortunately one of my pretty one of my shipmates didn't kind of avoided me, and I guess didn't really talk to me as much as everyone else did, or open up to me as much as everyone else did, and just trying to get through that and the challenges that, you know, being the only minority at a unit is, it's just really tough just like dealing with that and not being accepted by everyone. And it just, just, you know, it, it hurts just a little bit, just like, I guess not getting that connection. Right. Right. Did, uh, uh, you still there? Yes. Oh, there you go. You moved. Okay. So did you find, uh, how, how many people were at that unit? I would say about 24. It was a small unit. Yeah. So did you feel accepted by, by others there? I mean, other than this? I, that, that's also a good thing. I felt accepted pretty much by everyone else. It was just just that one one member who just, I guess, some people would call it, was still in the old guard, I guess. I guess some the term like that and just didn't really accept me even they they never accepted me and they transferred and I I never saw them again so it's kind of a hit and miss sometimes you know I have awesome shipmates that accept me for who I am but actually we we get along great and they they want to know more about my culture and it I think it's awesome and, but, you know, you just get one of those bad apples, I guess, and just don't want anything to do with you, don't care for you pretty much, and just don't want to connect with you. So that's pretty much my take on just being in the Coast Guard. It's 
it's really, you know, a lot of people are great. I met so many fantastic shipmates. Everyone's awesome. It's just, there's just a couple people who just, I don't think will ever change. Well, I'm glad that you had more people accepting you than not accepting you, but you're right. You know, there's, there's those bad apples out there and we're trying to educate folks. Um, so, um, but I thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, ma'am. Sure. Uh, let me go on to Lieutenant, is it Layu? La- pronounce your name for me, Lieutenant. Good afternoon, Admiral. Lieutenant Lou. Lou. Well, that makes it easy. Okay. So, uh, Lieutenant Lou, tell us about yourself. Good afternoon, Admiral and shipmates on the line. Um, happy to be here. So, I'm Lieutenant Lisa Lou from MSC Toledo. Um, as a minority, I'm no stranger to discrimination in and out of the Coast Guard. Um, when my family and I first moved to Hawaii, um, I was once refused to uh, be led onto a bus. Um, I clearly remember how the bus driver waved me off. Uh, when he uh, saw me standing at the door. And then um, luckily the three traffic lights down the street uh, were all red. So I happened to chase the bus down to the next stop. Um, I can hear the other passengers on board screaming at the bus driver. So the door finally opened. So that was my first taste of America. Uh, I was 12. Um, After the movie Kung Fu Panda came out, I don't know if uh, many of you have seen that movie. Um, my roommate at A school wouldn't stop calling me Panda in public. Um, I was a, I was a non-raid. Um, when I was on board a cutter, um, one day a junior officer stepped into my shop and then, um, she was just making jokes. Um, as, as you mentioned, one of those covert, um, person, um, and then she was putting on a, a Chinese accent. She was pulled aside uh, by my chief at the time, um, telling her to stop and then to come uh, to apologize to me. I was a third class petty officer. Um, And uh, I was at a a land unit and uh, one time I submitted a memo to a, uh, for endorsement. Of course, the memo has been reviewed by many, many, many other people before I submitted it. The senior officer pulled me uh, behind closed door and um, express his intention to help me to get better with my memo um, so I can get the, the billet that I applied for. But the first statement that he made was, Lisa, I know English is not your first language. Um, I understand his, uh, his good intention, so I wasn't, I wasn't mad, but I was sure embarrassed. Um, yet I, I thanked him for, for his help. Um, I was a junior officer at the time. Um, those are just a small taste of what I've been through. Um, as you may notice from my stories, <clears throat> um, not once have I stood up for myself. And it is not uncommon for people like us to think that we're the problem. And then, um, of course, we don't want to make a scene. We don't want to you know, make big deal out of things. And uh, we just want to fit in. So a lot of time we, do, we remain silent. Um, the irony is throughout my career, I've been in the Coast Guard for 10 years. I've stood up and helped many others in my situation, uh, but never thought to do the same for myself. And I would like to uh, piggyback off of what Lieutenant Porter said. I- I'm as guilty as, as others who did you know, those 
acts to others for for being silent. And I had to I hate to think that authority and courage had to come with ranks. Uh, that that's not the right thing to do. But at the time, that that's how I felt. You know what I what I should do. Um, we take pride being the first responders and always give our all to help others. We will risk our lives to save other people's lives, but we won't do the same for, for ourselves. Um, I, I guess the, the idea of there's no bystanders in the Coast Guard is, is not enough anymore. Um, that people sometimes just don't show those signals that they need help. They just take everything in, but secretly uh, inside they're screaming for helps. Um, and to echo what um, Admiral, you have in your commander's intent that when people are saying they're fine, are they really fine? And should leaders really just settle with, with that answer or should they dig more? And how far, how far should, we, should we go to, to really get those things out of them to make them feel comfortable to say what they're okay and not okay with? Um, so I, I definitely agree with that. And um, but if you're like me, as Seaman Lou or OS3 Lou on, on the cutter, um, who wasn't comfortable to do that for herself uh, because I was, you know, she was just a non-ray and a, a third-class petty officer, you know, that that's that's very unfortunate. And and like I said, I'm I'm as guilty for not for tolerating those behaviors that I endure upon myself. Uh, however. I have to say I'm very fortunate that I had the support I needed to uh, overcome those difficult times. Um, I had and still have many mentors, uh, majority, minority, female, male, enlisted, warrants, officers. You know, as long as they're good people, I like to surround myself with good people. And, I, and there's always things I can learn from each one of them. So I don't really just go... Um, find myself a minority mentor. I, I opened up to anyone I can learn from. And um, I think that people shouldn't need to struggle in the Coast Guard or anywhere to survive through discriminations. And um, indeed, these memories make me a stronger leader and a, a better person today. And um, and I hope to share these stories with you and, and thoughts to let you know that if you are experiencing these kind of things and uh, having similar stories, you're definitely not alone. And, and uh, we're absolutely in this together and we're, we're definitely stronger together, like like you said, Admiral. And, and that is all I have. Thank you, thanks for sharing, Lieutenant. Um, so are, are you from China? You I'm, from I'm from Taiwan, Admiral. Taiwan, okay. Very interesting that you experienced this discrimination in Hawaii. Because, I mean, that's a very, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of Asian people live in Hawaii. And so, I don't know, I just, I just was, I was in Hawaii for two years. Not that I know everything about Hawaiian culture, but I find that interesting. Um, the, uh, the one thing you see, you know, you said, I mean, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much, you know, as a non-rate or an OS3 for not speaking up. I mean, I, I think that's common. I don't, does it, I, I would like for it to change. I would like to give people, um, and that's one of the things we're doing um, in the district here with our culture of respect training is giving people the tools to know how, right? Like, we know sometimes when someone says something that's unacceptable, whether it's, uh, you know, racist or sexist or whatever, we, we know that we should say something, but sometimes we don't know how. 
and especially younger people or junior people. And uh, so we're trying to give people the tools to actually, you know, to practice. It's just like any other thing. You have to practice it and, and say the words out loud. And and um, um, so we're we're working on that because I think that's something that's really missing from our session training. Um, you know, people don't necessarily come in with skills like that to say, uh, you know, that was really offensive. Like, did you know that? And um, be able to have a meaningful conversation like what Ms. Battles had with, with the lady that made a comment about soup and sandwich. And well, I hear a lot too, you know, about the, the story that you shared about, you know, that you told her how you felt and then later you became good friends. And I, we heard that on another call. Uh, was that yesterday? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, another uh, one of the guys shared something similar. He pulled a guy aside and said, "No, that's that wasn't right." You know. And then they kind of got through it and they became good friends. So I, I, do, I do hear that a lot. So that's good. Um, okay. So last but not least, uh, OS two Sanchez is online. The line. Oh. Okay. Hs Hs three drop. Okay. OS two OS two Sanchez. <laughs> Uh, good afternoon, Admiral Piers. Uh, my name is OS2 Joseph Anthony Sanchez. I am attached to the command center uh, in Sector Buffalo. Uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm 27. I'm originally from New York City, and by the time I transfer uh, next summer, I'll have been in the Coast Guard for about a decade. Uh, so starting with uh, just good experiences. Uh, I'm happy to say that uh, during my time in the command center, I haven't experienced any prejudice or any sort of racial remarks. And as a baseline, that's great. Uh, the most I've had to do recently is kind of uh, address xenophobic comments made in light of the coronavirus. Uh, other than that, personally, things have been great. But as for my not so great experiences and I will try to explain this as eloquently as possible while maintaining my composure because it's infuriating uh, looking back at these memories uh, the most amount of racial experiences I've had has been on my cutters uh, as you can see I'm a permanent cutterman I spent two years as a seaman on a cutter down in Texas and three years as an OS3 on a cutter that was in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, going from New York City to Texas as an 18-year-old alone is an immense culture shock. You go from a place having buses and trains everywhere to a place that has a far, far fewer amount. Uh, and being just a young guy with a uh, little life experience and being called a ethnic slur, uh, right out the gate is not uh, a good introduction to the Coast Guard. Uh, I've experienced uh, a wide variety of comments uh, ranging from I talk white, which has its own set of implications uh, to either being called jokingly a slur or that I should go back to the other side of the border as someone who is of Puerto Rican descent, which obviously doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail because if I do, we'll probably be here for a long time. But uh, as a seaman, 
trying to deal with something at the lowest level, as we're often encouraged to, did yield uh, positive results at times to those who are willing to understand and have an inkling of empathy. Uh, but sometimes that only goes so far and you logically need to take it to the higher level. And what do you do when you deal with a chain of command that lacks empathy, looks out for the career of the offending party and sweeps these moments under the rug? Especially when you still have to serve with those people, sometimes rely on them and you lose faith in anything actually meaningful being done for accountability. Sure, there are equal opportunity representatives at a district level, but that's only looking back in hindsight when that isn't even made known to you. And if you haven't experienced your own chain of command uh, dealing with something properly, how can you even hope that even someone at a district level or sector level being able to look out for your best interests. Um, there, there is a culture within cutters and stations, particularly where it's definitely something of a good old boys club where certain people will have influence on younger personnel. And if you're someone who is often othered, you'll be quickly deemed as someone who is maybe too sensitive. Or if you do bring it to someone's attention, you're just someone with thin skin that can't take a joke. This is something that is still a problem within the Coast Guard in every district and in most units. And that's not even going into uh, homophobia and sexism. And I think my biggest issue is that these issues aren't taken seriously enough. Uh, I I had more (laughs) things I could say, but as you can tell, uh, this is something that's really upsetting to me. And just like Lieutenant Lou said, you just start accepting it. You don't feel the need to really speak up. As an OS3, newly pinned on reporting, Uh, to my second cutter, as I'm introducing myself to people, the first thing I was asked if I speak Spanish, I don't. And as that, as that cutter was starting to do more um, Southern deployments for the first time in several years, that was evidently my only worth uh, reporting to that unit as I was quickly dismissed. Hi, I'm OS2 Joe, I'm OS3 Joe Sanchez. Nice to meet you. Do you speak Spanish? No. Get out of here. Or being told during the winter wearing a watch cap that I look like a thug. I I want things to change. I want people to learn empathy and I want accountability for the people that constantly are on the receiving end of something like this. I want to say maybe I'm part of the problem too for the moments I've experienced as well for just standing by and and dealing with some of this. But as someone who's been disenfranchised by actually attempting to begin with, I I can't even say that. Um, I had some other notes, but I I don't really have it in me to, to, to really keep going. I'm lucky that here in Sector Buffalo, 
on my day-to-day, things have been fine. But I can't say things generally are, on, are fine where it's 2020, middle of the year, and even seeing discussions on the Coast Guard subreddit of how perverse this behavior is, that things are just not fine. Uh, I, I think that's all I, I really have to say. Well, um, so, so Pastor Sanchez, I'm, uh, yeah, I feel terrible that you've had to go through what you have gone through. And, um, you know, we, I do think, you know, lots of people in the Coast Guard, myself included, like to think that, you know, those kinds of things don't happen anymore, but obviously they do. And that's been some enlightening for me to hear this sort of thing. And, um, and I hope that through these discussions and as we put them out as a podcast that other people will hear this and, um, you know, do some intro, serious introspection and go, oh, wow, this is a real thing. And it's a real problem. And it's everyone's problem. It's not just, you know, people of color. It's not just their problem. So, um, so I, I appreciate you sharing. And, you know, I, it, it sounds like it's painful. It sounds like it's still pretty fresh for you. So I would encourage you to, um, uh, you know, find someone to talk to. Um, Master Chief Pereira is the command master chief here, and um, he is an incredible. He actually literally is the best listener I have ever met in my Coast Guard career. And um, so I would, uh, I would really recommend that you reach out to him. He will talk to you about anything, anytime, anywhere, and um, you know, and really hear you out. And um, he's not afraid of you know emotions, strong emotions, one one way or another. So. I would really encourage that. Um, and I'll let him know that I told you that, okay? Uh, so, uh, thank you, ma'am. Sure. Um, so any, we've got a few more minutes. Is any alibis or anything that anybody wants to add? Can I add something, ma'am? Yeah. I just want to appreciate you all sharing your stories. It, it definitely touched my heart, too, as a clinician and a, you know, mental health therapist, it definitely touches me. I just wanted to add, um, you know, sometimes when I go to these units and I look at some of the lower ranked or the guys who are just coming in and they may be a minority and sometimes you can see the sadness in their eyes. Um, you know, just being at a unit where they're the minority and they're in a city where no one looks like them either. And I think that really is challenging. And I think like Lieutenant Lou said, you know, sometimes people say I'm okay and they really aren't okay. And, you know, I try to reach out. And a lot of times they reach out to me when they see me. It's like, hey, how are you? You know, can I call you sometimes? And I'm like, sure, absolutely. I'll call and check on you too. But I think it is tough. And I think for someone 19, 20, 21, it's really difficult to be able to say this is what's happening. And even when you say it, to get it brushed, you know, like, okay, thanks. So I I think that definitely is important. And I I just appreciate the people who have spoke out for saying that. That's, That's really important. And the second thing I wanted to add, I think the biggest thing is people have to be willing to hear and want to change. Uh, that good old boy mentality still exists. And I see it with some of the young guys. You know, I see, of course, everyone's respectful to me, but I I see interactions. I'm a good watcher. And I think people have to be willing to change. Some people don't want to change. And that's the problem. Whereas some people say, okay, now that you pulled my coattail, what can I do different? 
And, and that's the biggest thing, getting everyone on board where they're wanting to change. Because if we're doing all this and you have a lot of members who really just don't want to change, that's going to continue to be a problem, especially if they're amongst peers who support that type of good old boy behavior. So hopefully this will be helpful. Um, I think this is great. Thank you. I, I just thank you for everyone who spoke, even the people, of course, who aren't on this call that were on other calls. I think this is really good. So thank you for adding that. Yeah. yeah. I can see how, you know, Ms. Battles, I can see how people would reach out to you because you just sort of have that personality <laughs> that draws people. Yeah. So thanks. Um, anybody else have anything to to add or comments, questions? No? Again, uh, thank you for your courage in, uh, you know, in volunteering to call in and share your story. I know, uh, you know, it's painful to sort of relive some of this stuff. And so I appreciate you, uh, your willingness to go through it again. And, um, and I do, uh, just like I told uh, OS2, you know, I do encourage you to to, to reach out to other people and, and talk to them and don't just hold it in, right? Talk to people. And um, so with that, I'm going to sign off. And so I think the next things that are going to happen is